All right, lot to do today. I do want to get into some pretty important news. I want to pitch my boss an idea for next year. Ann Thomas is sitting in today on the show. Um, here's my idea, all right? Mm-hmm. Okay. It would take a little bit of legwork, but I think we can get it done. Sure. Um, yesterday was Fat Tuesday. Yes. And I had a punch key. And I regretted it mostly all day. Oh, really? Not regret. I, uh, but I, I couldn't eat. Like, I didn't eat dinner. Yeah, too much sugar. It's too just much too fat. much. It's yeah. too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, when I had my lunch today, I was really hungry. But my thought is, is there, is there anybody that's doing, like, a punchki eating contest? <laughs> like, have we seen that? Like, let's get Kobayashi that. in. Let's get Joey Chestnut in. We'll bring them all in. We'll find some sponsors, and we'll do a real punchki contest. That's a great idea. Joey Chestnut, by the way, who has won, I don't know, a hundred hot right? dog contests, whatever, for the 4th of July. He ate 304 mini donuts in eight minutes. Wow. So I'm just saying, I'm, I don't I don't want to, I don't think we should do take it off the table. To participate in No, this? no, no, no. Okay. I'll MC or something. With the one. <laughs> I don't want to participate. You know I, mean? I would like to watch. I would like to watch and, and you know, grimace at how many punch keys people are eating. I mean, people can eat a lot of them. Oh, I don't yes. know how. I don't, I don't know. know how. Mm-mm. But people do, and that's great. I just, it's just potentially a programming note for next year. Um, in the meantime, the breaking news just uh, over the last couple of minutes is the House uh, Intel chairman has announced uh, a serious national security threat. That's related to Russia. That comes from Mike Turner, who chairs the House Intelligence Committee. He alerted all members of Congress to review information concerning a serious national security threat. And this uh, jumps the White House's meeting with congressional leaders to, to discuss the very sensitive nature of this potential threat with, with the upper echelon of the House and the Senate. Um, but this letter that Turner sent to congressional leaders or congressional representatives says the matter is urgent with regard to a destabilizing foreign military capability. Um, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan addressing the press corps now at the White House um, and said that he had personally reached out with the off reached out to the offices of top lawmakers uh, about a, a meeting, a White House sanctioned meeting to discuss this national security threat um, before Turner warned not only congressional representatives, but but the public that there was there was at least some credibility to this potential threat. Doesn't this seem vague, Chris? It's very vague. Wow. And, and I, I think, well, I, I do question how much information Turner has. Um, but he's the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, so he has, you know, f- full clearance on everything. Right, he's got something. So my my guess is he would he would know. Now, it's one thing to alert the press that that congressional representatives have in their possession um, a, a warning, basically, or at least information to to mull over. It, it would be something entirely different to talk specifics with the press before lawmakers have had a chance to really dig into this before the white house has had an opportunity to weigh in. So it, I, I think you're dealing with two different things, but 
Yeah, it, it, it is vague. Um, it's cryptic. It's cryptic. It's highly unusual. Yeah, and, and I, I think that once uh, once the White House weighs in, hopefully there'll be some more clarity. But, you know, you're putting fear into the public, certainly. Absolutely you are. Um, you know, Russia's already the big bad on the block, right? The, 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 the way that Vladimir Putin operates, you just don't know. Um, and, and the United States has pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed those buttons. So, you, you, you know, I, I think that there's always been that, that worry that Russia will, will make a move that would be, you know, potentially catastrophic worldwide, certainly to the United States. But, but I think we're getting ahead of ourselves to a certain extent. Um, but we'll watch this. We'll, we'll see what comes of it. But, uh, certainly this information, uh, p- pretty interesting. In the meantime, talks for a ceasefire continue between, Israel and and Hamas in the Gaza Strip. There is talks, or at least reports, that there were real steps made and and progress made towards a ceasefire between the two parties. But now Benjamin Netanyahu has come out and called Hamas's demands delusional. International efforts to broker that ceasefire uh, took a big setback, big hit today. Um, Benjamin Netanyahu saying that these these demands are just out of control. And for Benjamin Netanyahu, the 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 real catalyst for any sort of ceasefire was always going to be the release of hostages. Um, which which have which hasn't happened in mass. We haven't seen a wide ranging um, re- release of hostages. But but it's really twofold. I mean, th- this is Benjamin Netanyahu having to to spin two plates at one time, trying to get the hostages out safely, whatever numbers left, and and working to root out Hamas. Completely. So, you know, Bibi has said multiple times, the idea here is that we got to get rid of Hamas. Once we get rid of Hamas, the, the, the real healing can kind of begin here. But at the same time, I mean, you, you're seeing the casualties in the Gaza Strip. You're seeing the, the sheer devastation being done to the landscape. Um, but again, I don't live in this re this, this fallacy, this, this, this utopia where things don't happen. I mean, you attacked a country, you attacked innocent people, and the the reality is the reaction's going to be severe. It's going to be tough. It's going to be strong. And when you're dealing with a terrorist group, as designated by the United States and a number of other countries, um, Israel certainly is going to try to defend themselves. At the same time, having to deal with attacks and adversaries from different regions like in Yemen, where uh, the IDF has hit back on on Hezbollah forces. And you know, Chris, in other news out of the Middle East this afternoon, Israel has launched extensive airstrikes in response to rocket fire that killed a soldier in Lebanon. And that's what, that's the Hezbollah targets. Of, right. So this is certainly, I mean, this is where Israel's in a tough spot. I mean... In the sense that, yeah, they're they're having to deal with Hamas. They're having to deal with what's going on in the Gaza Strip. They're having to try to release these hostages. 
while at the same time, you've got the Houthis, you've got Hezbollah, you've got all of these these other mostly Iranian-backed proxy groups that are also launching offensive attacks towards Israel and towards the United States and its allies. So that's that's a, a, a huge issue that the IDF is having to push back on. And yes, it all it all stems from from that incident. So it it's it's a horrific situation and the the push for a ceasefire I think in an in an ideal world that's what everybody wants. Ideally. But in reality th- these two sides are not going to see side uh, eye to eye. They're not going to come to you know agreements on a grand enough scale where you're going to, in my opinion, see these types of, of actions taken like a ceasefire, at least a long-term prognosis for a ceasefire. But I think that's where a lot of countries, including the United States, including Qatar, including Israel, or excuse me, uh, uh, Egypt, they're all taking these, these steps to try to make that happen. The House yesterday taking some pretty dramatic action against a member of a presidential cabinet. First time since the 1800s. What does it mean? And I, I think we're we're whistling past the graveyard on one important issue as it relates to Alejandro Mayorkas. We'll do that next on JR Afternoon. So after an embarrassing setback in the House the first time around when Republicans tried to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas and failed, they got it done yesterday by one vote. They got it done. They've impeached Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. And it's the first time that's happened since 1876. 1876. Roughly 100 years after the United States became an independent nation. It's really shocking that this has only happened now twice in our in our country's history. And I look, I think even going back to Donald Trump, I think you go back to to Bill Clinton. I think impeachments are purely political. Why? Because the threshold to then convict in the Senate is so high it's damn near impossible to remove a president via impeachment. It's political. It is political theater, okay, in my mind. But Republicans felt like they had the opportunity. They felt like Alejandro Mayorkas is so derelict in his duties that he deserves the guillotine. Although I think there's we're missing one thing here. And unfortunately for Alejandro Mayorkas, he said the quiet part out loud on NBC's Meet the Press this weekend. He told Kristen Welker that he is not responsible for what's happening at the southern border, and neither is the administration. Well, we don't bear responsibility for a broken system, and we're doing a tremendous amount within that broken system. But fundamentally, fundamentally, Congress is the only one who can fix it. And in reality, fundamentally, Joe Biden had the House and the Senate in his when when he took office and they still did not address the immigration issues. Now, the other interesting part here is this talk of the 25th Amendment. And I'd love to hear from you on this. 
800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR, because here's the quiet part out loud. While some Republicans are calling for uh, uh, leadership and the, sec- and, and the cabinet to remove the president via the 25th Amendment, the reality is Alejandro Mayorkas is is carrying out the wishes of the president of the United States. Uh, I don't engage in politics. I'm responsible for governing and following the president's uh, uh, agenda, uh, which I scrupulously do. I have to tell you, uh, I have met with the president many, many times over the course of the past three years. I prepare intensely for those meetings. I follow up intensely from those meetings to make sure that I deliver the answers to the questions that he has posed. He is probing and detailed and focused on the mission. Oh, by the way, just as an aside, probing, detailed, sharp. It sounds like maybe that was something that went out to a lot of the cabinet members because he said that earlier in the interview, too. The most difficult part about a meeting with President Biden is preparing for it because he is sharp intensely probing and detail-oriented and focused. All right, so that might be the talking points that they got out from the White House. But the reality is he said the correct thing, which was he is following the president's agenda. So if he's following the president's agenda, why would Republicans in the House want to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas? I'm curious, genuinely. Because if it were me, I would continue to beat the drum that Joe Biden hasn't done enough. That Joe Biden, even after this Senate package fell through, whether or not you want to say Donald Trump meddled in it, whether or not you want to say Donald Trump weighed in and all of a sudden Republicans were, were backtracking. This is this is an issue that Joe Biden has to bear. This falls on his shoulders. He is, of course, the president of the United States. Now, if you want to take credit for all the good things that have happened. Uh, a drop in inflation, gas prices have fallen off, although they still remain relatively high. Uh, um, th- things have improved over the course of his presidency. And if you want to take credit for those, you also have to take credit for the shortcomings. So while I don't quite understand this idea that we need to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, if you wanted to impeach somebody, you could impeach the president. But you know you don't have a leg to stand on there, at least not yet. And so you you try to take out an underling. And to me, that's where it gets lazy. That's where it is, to me, political theater. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. So while the House, by, a, by the slimmest of majorities possible, 214 to 213, able to, able to, impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. To me, they missed the mark because instead of putting the blame on Alejandro Mayorkas, you could have, you could stick the blame to the president because that's where it falls. The fish always rots from the head down. And look, I'm not saying that, that the president, I, I, I only make that analogy because he's the head honcho. He's the boss. He's the top. And that's the person that you need to hold accountable. That's the person that should bear the responsibilities of what's happening at the border. Yes, Congress has historically shied away from the issue. I'm not entirely sure why, but they have. And to me, it's misguided. To me, you, you missed the target. 
the target is Joe Biden. And for an issue that has become so hot, I mean, it is a hot issue right now because you 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 bust these people to New York City. You've got you've got the mayor there, Eric Adams, saying we have no more room. These people are going to start living on the streets when they get here on buses. We can't do anything about it. They are we are we are we are at capacity. But instead of putting that on Joe Biden, you put it on Alejandro Mayorkas. You make him the fall guy. And I think that's that is a that is a fundamental mistake by the Republicans, in my opinion. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Look, I don't care if it's constitutional or not. This is political. The The Senate will never even hear a, have a hearing on this. As far as I can tell, they're going to they're going to shove it in a committee, put it behind a, a you know, a, a, a copy of a of a dictionary and it's going to stay in committee. It's never coming to light. At least not before November. So it'll be I'm pretty interested to see how this pans out. Look, obviously they have to hear it. But this is going to be put on the back burner for as long as possible. And again, to me, Republicans, you they 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 allowed the Biden administration to have a fall guy. When in reality, it you point it at the president. Tom's in Windsor. He's got thoughts. Hello, Tommy. Hi. Uh, you, know, you know, Mayorkas and Biden should have been impeached long ago over that border incident, over the uh, the Haitian immigrants. And uh, when, when the reporter came out and said, I, I, of course, you remind, uh, you know, you, you know about the uh, whip, alleged whipping incident, um, the white guy allegedly whipping this poor black guy, which the reporter that took the picture came out and said, no, there was no whipping. There was absolutely no whipping. It was just the uh, border guard trying to control his horse. And what, is, what did Mayorkas and Biden do? Well, they both went up in front of the camera blatantly and, and told the American public that, yeah, there's these uh, these border guards that are whipping these. Yeah, which these, never uh, happened. Border. It never happened. And it never happened. Now, it what are they happened. trying to do? Start a race war? Like, they should have been impeached over that. That's, that's serious stuff. Like, what are they trying to do? Start a war? You no, know, how no. many people, how many people do you think have been um, assaulted or killed because of that accident? Like, how many well, you know, I don't, that? Yeah, Tom, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I do know that it was reckless. No, I, do, I do know it was wrong. Um, I don't know that it's high crimes and misdemeanors. I think you're fanning the flames. I don't know that it reaches the level of impeachment. And how many unstable people out there would have said that, you know, would have heard that and said, yeah, yeah, you know, that Mayorkas and fine. They might be onto something. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, well, it's yeah, January and it's, it is. you know, it's, it's, so wrong. It is. They Tom, both Tom, I appreciate the call. I just, I, I just, to me, I think the Republicans let Biden get off the hook, quite frankly. I, I think you let him off the hook. Now, uh, he still owns this, but by diverting the attention to Mayorkas, I think you let him off the mark to a certain extent. 800-859-0957. We'll get to more of your calls, your texts coming up next here on JR Afternoon. 800-859-0957. 800-859-0WJR. I, I want to know if you think I'm off my rocker or I'd like for you to tell me if you really think Alejandro Mayorkas is going to be convicted in a Senate trial because I got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. I just, I mean, I just, it's not happening. So it's political. And, and by turning it politically, I think you turned the focus on the wrong 
person. I think I think he said it in his discussion with Kristen Welker on Meet the Press this weekend. Uh, I am just carrying out, I'm following the president's agenda. Of course he is. Yeah, it's exactly what he's doing. So does it even rise to the to the level of impeachment for Alejandro Mayorkas? I'm not sure it does. But the Republicans were dead set on it. They finally got it done after experiencing a setback last week. So they got it done. What does it mean going forward? I mean, th- th- this question of constitutionality is one thing. I, to me, I it's beyond that. I don't even, I mean, he's not going to get convicted in a Senate trial. And the president obviously has no, has shown no, no signs of removing him from his position. So I'm not, I don't know what to believe. I, 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 I do kind of think that they, they hit on the wrong mark. I think they took the attention away from the wrong person. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Uh, let's get to a couple of texts before we get back to the phone lines. What do we got there, Rob? Uh, we have Rod from Plymouth. Rod said Congress should be bringing all the 17 heads of our national security together slash in to either verify or dispel the threats of terror due to border inse- insecurity. Well, there's I mean, I don't think you have to assemble any uh, a team to know that there is threats to our national security when you have roughly 10,000 people coming across the border illegally every day. Yeah. I mean, it's just the reality. The reality is, you know, uh, if you buy a carton of eggs and you buy a carton of eggs every week, chances are that you're going to get one that's cracked or one with a double yolk or, I mean, the the odds are you're going to have one of those. You're going to get a bad egg. You're going to get a bad egg. Yeah. But, but, so that's not the, the, the issue really. The issue is, I mean, that is a that is an issue, yes, of course, but but the reality is, is to to me, you, you kind of let Joe Biden off the off the hook here, and I'm not so sure that that's something that the Republicans can afford to do. What else we got, Blake? Um, there was someone from the five eight six that said this guy is peed off. I don't know who's oh, referring about Tom to. and Windsor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I think, look, this issue, it draws a lot out of people. And it's not, it's not just, it's not just an issue for those on the border anymore. I mean, I think it used to be, but it's, it's not that way anymore. I mean, it is so much bigger and widespread and, and, and the, the ramifications are, they ripple so far past Texas and Arizona and these border uh, states it is it, it's so much bigger than that it, it it extends so much further and that's why it's become a national issue it's why it's become roughly one of the top three largest concerns for people going into november august is in milford what's up august hey great show guys um i totally agree that this is a bigger issue than people realize and why my question is there was a, a movie made years ago wizard of oz and that's what they're doing. I want to know who's behind the curtain. Who's protecting who in this? And how many of them are involved? And I don't know. Will we ever get to the truth? Are they all protecting each other? Is it a big chess game? I mean, what is going on? 
Well, look, I, I mean, certainly you could make the argument. I mean, for me, it's 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 I don't think that the administration has done a good enough job in 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 following the laws that are there. I mean, in in following the laws that are on the books. Now, you want to tell me you need more money because we need more border security agents. Fine. I'm on board with that. But it's not just that. I mean, uh, the 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 whole system that goes into I mean, you know, the whole system from the top to the bottom is not funded properly. There aren't enough there aren't enough resources dedicated to it. And and even these asylum cases have tripled over the last few years. Tripled. I mean, there is a wait list of over a million people that have come to this country claiming asylum that are on wait lists to go see a judge and, and hear their case. So the reality is, is we are so far behind the eight ball, so far behind the eight ball that, that yes, any action is positive action, or at least any positive action is a, is action in the right direction. But to, to, for the, for the administration to, to, you know, shrug this off or, or as Alejandro Mayorkas said it's not the administration's responsibility listen to this well we don't bear responsibility for a broken system and we're doing a tremendous amount within that broken system i mean that's crazy it's just that's crazy you want to take you want to take accountability for the good stuff but you don't want to take accountability for the bad stuff and ain't how it work ain't how it works dave's in rochester hello dave hey chris the broken system is a function of the existing laws which Lang- Langford Cinema, uh, Chris Murphy had a, a bipartisan agreement that we're addressing those, such as what you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. You were just talking about asylum laws, okay? That was included. You're talking about the border funding, the $20 billion that the people closest to the problem, the, board, the U.S. Border Agent Union, 20,000 members said, yes, we're on board with this. Uh, funding as well as the the, the respective uh, legal changes. So, how are you taking the heat off Joe Biden? You saying Joe Biden should be impeached on what laws? I never broken? said he should be impeached. Okay, how are you? How is it taking? I the said I off? think the Republicans they 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 put their mark on Alejandro Mayorkas when in reality Alejandro Mayorkas works at the behest of the President of the United States. It is his responsibility. And he said that he is following the president's agenda. So what is the president's agenda, Dave, as it was as it regards to immigration? The president's agenda is to is to follow the laws which aren't being followed. To, OK, really? Tell me what laws not being followed. Dave, I would say 90 percent of the people. My, my, excited, please. Dave. A vast majority, vast majority. Of the people that come across the border claiming asylum don't even qualify for asylum. They don't even qualify. So they they should be turned around and marched back south immediately. They don't qualify for asylum. So, yeah, that's the reality. And the reality is you still have people coming across the border that are, I mean, these numbers are guesstimates. Because there are people coming across that they are not even, they're not even counting there are so many people coming across so no i'm not entirely sure what the president's agenda is i didn't say he should be impeached 
I said he should bear the responsibility for the mess that has occurred under his leadership. Thanks, Dave. Tom's in Roseville real quick. Tom, what's up? Uh, just very, very quickly, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, they went after the wrong person, okay, but I don't think either person would be impeached as close to an election. No. Because uh, I don't think the Senate will even take it up. But, I mean, on the one small, brighter side, it keeps the border issue in the news cycle. I mean, the two most important issues are the 702 warrants coming up and the border mm-hmm. issue. It keeps it in the news cycle. Thank you for taking the call. Yeah, you got it, Tom. No, I think it's, it is it is absolutely a, it's, it's a huge issue. And you've got people uh, across the country, particularly in big metropolitan areas like New York, like Chicago, that are being inundated with people because Texas is saying, okay, you, you want to be sanctuary cities? Then you can take these folks. Take care of them. We're not taking care of them. That's not what we do down here. We have a tough enough job having to be down at the border anyway. We're not going to pay for people anymore. So then you take them. And the, and the, the people in those communities are outraged. Outraged. You've, you have people in, in, in California that are homeless Americans that are down on their luck, that have, that have been dealt an awful hand, that cannot dig themselves out of the hole that they're in. Meanwhile, you have people in Chicago that are living in, in hotels for seven months, eating three meals a day. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So people are starting to realize that this is not only just a problem, it is a crisis. And I think the Republicans took their eye off the mark when they pinned it on Alejandro Mayorkas instead of Joe Biden. I think it's Joe Biden's problem to own. 800-859-0957. The EV issue continues to be a major one, particularly for OEMs that are building these cars, because the demand isn't quite there yet. But it is also an issue for suppliers. We'll look at that issue next on JR Afternoon. So automakers certainly were banking on the fact that that electric vehicle production was going to translate to, to sales. More more EVs being made, more are are winding up in your driveway or in your garage. It, it hasn't really been that way. Year-over-year sales from 2022 to 2023 showed less than 2% growth. EVs make up just over 8% of the total marketplace. And while those numbers are trending in the right direction, OEMs expected those numbers to grow much more significantly as production started to ramping up. But instead, what we're seeing are automakers like Ford, like General Motors, start pushing out more hybrid options or rolling back production of the F-150 Lightning at the Rouge, for example. And they're doing it because the the demand isn't there. The customers aren't there. And what we're hearing from from auto dealers is that we need to shift our focus in a way that is catering to our customers' demands, wants, and needs. And right now, electric vehicles aren't there. But but that's only part of the story. Because, as you know, the, the, the road to creating a vehicle is so vast, it is so long, and it is so interconnected with so many different groups and businesses and entities. Um, everybody is relying on each other. Certainly, automotive suppliers are a big part of that. And this idea that not only are automakers wanting to remain flexible in terms of their product offering to make sure they're catering to everybody, but suppliers also need to maintain some flexibility 
so that they are able to remain a viable a viable business, a viable integral part of the cog uh, in order to maintain the level of success and, and stability that they have traditionally over the, the, the decades. Pete Dank is the president of Eaton Corp's Mobility Group, and he joins us. Pete, it's good to have you. Uh, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Uh, anything I can do to, to help out? Well, I think what's interesting here is from a supplier perspective, it, it's a uh, it's, uh, you know, six in one, half dozen in another because they want to stay in the game of of making sure that that advancement is moving forward, electric vehicles. But in order to, to, to remain relevant, in order to continue to make money for that growth, you got to stay with combustion parts. You have to stay with combustion vehicles. So th- there is a, a bit of strategic maneuvering that needs to be done on behalf of suppliers, isn't there? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think you uh, I think you said it. Uh... Well, earlier there there was a, a, a big move, and I think if you had talked to us two years ago, we all thought we'd be driving EVs here about now. Um, it hasn't quite worked out that way, but I, I wouldn't say that there's any sort of uh, failure in it. I think what what happened is maybe we got ahead of ourselves a bit on the product side and not so much on the customer side. And so uh, now it's it's important that we balance and we make sure we understand exactly what the customers want, and we had eaten are reacting to that in whichever way. The market's uh, moving. So in terms of the bottom line, top line uh, for for supplier companies, I have to imagine that 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 flexibility does provide some stability, both both uh, in in the in the books that are kept. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to say it. I mean, I, the, the one thing we have to be is very flexible these coming years. And I think it's also, you know, top line, bottom line. We're, we're watching where it's moving and able to react either way, but also with our people. I think that's one thing that's most critical right now. And any company that went full on into EVs, they're going to have trouble right now because of low demand, obviously. And uh, those suppliers that uh, are sticking with combustion, it it gives you a little bit of a pause as a customer for the future. So you really got to watch that balance between the two. And and the people in the organization are really the most critical for me and my leadership team. That's, That's where we're really trying to lead strongly and say, look, we're going to have both parts of this portfolio. We're going to be ready for whichever way it goes. If you make superchargers today, you know, you can keep on making those. We need you in our portfolio. We need your talent. We need you working out. And if you want to get into the EV world, well, we have jobs for that too. But ideal is somebody that's going right across both sides of our, our portfolio. Well, then talk to me a little bit about that because you're, you're spinning plates on sticks all over the place. You're trying to keep them spinning and, and the wheels turning. But but you want to remain you you want to remain uh, uh you want to remain a player in that marketplace right if the future is electrification even if that future isn't imminent you still want to make sure that you are are uh investing in those types of of uh investments right you you want to make sure that you you have a foot in that in that pool while maintaining the money maker to to get you to that next point yeah i mean it- I'm, I'm, I would say uh, personally, as far as Eaton goes, we're in a great position because we have a huge electrical business. That's the majority of our company. So what we're doing is transferring that knowledge from our electrical sector into our mobility sector. And right. so for us, it's ideal. And I think, you know, one of the things we kind of all forget, is, and, and there's a lot of new entrants, right, into this business mm-hmm. as we go into EV, but making a car is a hell of a tough job. And I think if any of us were to look at our refrigerator and, and have our car run with that same quality, like the ice maker breaking down, our car not running in the morning when we went out to it, it'd be a disaster. So 
what, what's really important now is you leverage that legacy of how to make a car, make a really good quality product, and then transfer that into the new new products that we have. So more of a product line discussion rather than a wholesale change in how an organization is working. Yeah, uh, interesting stuff. S- certainly that flexibility you talked about, uh, vitally important going forward. Pete Dank with Eaton Core. Uh, thank you so much. Great stuff. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chris. Take care. All right. In the meantime, uh, wanted to uh, just make you aware. Coming up at three forty-eight, I got your opportunity to win tickets to see Santana and Counting Crows in concert June twenty-fifth at Pine Knob Music Theater. We'll do that at three forty-eight. That's a heck before of a show, Chris. To, yeah, it was Steve Courtney. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. I mean, Santana is a killer. Yes, a killer. Not. A, I mean, Counting Crows. I mean, that's it's just classic. Like it's I got some bangers perfect. for sure. Has anybody ever referred to Counting Crow songs as bangers? Probably. I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad. No, it's good. It's going to be a great show. Pine Knob's going to be... What was that? Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to get you caught up on a couple of other things. We'll make way for Fox News coming up. Um, but the, the big story uh, over the last hour, hour and a half or so, the House Intelligence Committee Chairman, Mike Turner of Ohio, released a statement today warning of a serious national security threat he also preempted what the white house said was a planned briefing for congressional leaders what is that serious national security threat i'll tell you when we come back uh from the break but that is one to to seriously be uh aware of and certainly they are on top of it in washington dc we got to take a break make way for fox news more coming up next on jr afternoon all right, 3 o'clock hour, good to have you back. We got Santana County Crows tickets coming up at 348 for you, give an opportunity to win those. Um, and a lot more to do today. I, I also have, if uh, if you're maybe, maybe you're a little late on getting a Valentine's gift for your significant other, uh, I, I might have a solution for you. We'll do that coming up at 335. But, but there is a possibility, there's an opportunity here. If you haven't uh, done your due diligence yet, um, we got you covered. Um, In the meantime, some big news breaking today. That the House Intel, the chair, warned Congress of a national security threat, a serious national security threat, and it's related to Russia. That's according to Chair Mike Turner. What is also interesting is Jake Sullivan the national security advisor to the White House, had been gearing up for a pre-planned meeting with congressional leaders on this very issue. He said today, and you heard it in the news by Fox News, that that um, he was surprised that Mike Turner decided to release the statement that he did to all of Congress. But it it, it is it is serious, I, I think. I To me, it it does lend itself to 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 being a serious issue. Here was the the statement that Mike Turner released. Today, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence has made available to all members of Congress information concerning a serious national security th- request or security threat. I am requesting that President Biden declassify all information relating to this threat so that Congress, the administration and our allies can openly discuss the actions necessary to respond to this threat. Now it's vague, certainly, 
it's it's vague in the sense that I don't not quite sure if Mike Turner has all of the information. Jake Sullivan certainly would, um, and and that would would hopefully allow more information to be made available. But I mean, you could also look at it too in the in the sense that Mike Turner says that this information all needs to be declassified so that there can be a a, a realistic conversation with with all necessary parties but but there is this you know i remember in the during the pandemic towards the end of the, the trump administration that there were these accusations that the president knew how serious covid-19 was and downplayed it um and i think that um, I don't remember who the, the author of the book was, but it was to a a writer. And basically, Donald Trump admitted to knowing that it was a serious issue, but he didn't want to tell the American people. Um, and I, I remember thinking then, well, we're 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 adults. Um, we, we should be able to handle that information. Now, here, I don't know that that the American people are going to be privy to this information. But I think some transparency would be helpful. I think some transparency when it comes to uh, what this threat means would be would be important. Um, not to trigger some mass, you know, panic amongst amongst the American public, but I, I think a, a level of transparency would be would be helpful. Um, Meanwhile, Turner said he's the he's asking the president to declassify all information relating to this threat so that they can discuss openly about how to respond. Um, but they're, they're really it's short on details, the nature of the threat, who made it, although now uh, reports are pointing to the fact that it's Russia. Um, and and I think that when you're dealing with somebody like Vladimir Putin, there is a lot of unknowns. I mean, there's. There is a sense of this guy being a wild card. And while we don't necessarily know what the threat is, um, you know, military experts have always pointed to the fact that that if Vladimir Putin felt like he was put in a corner, if Vladimir Putin felt like, um, you know, he he needed to lash out, well, then maybe he he would make some sort of um uh, uncalled for move or or unadvised move and potentially what it could be related to, but it's to Russia. So we'll we'll continue to follow this story because I think this is going to be an important one to follow. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. I also asked earlier, talking about the Alejandro Mayorkas impeachment. To me, it feels like House Republicans they 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 took their aim at the wrong person. You know, he told. Meet the press on on Sunday. That he's following the president's agenda, which to me is true. So why would why would House Republicans impeach Alejandro Mayorkas? He's the figurehead. He's the, I mean, he's not making any sort of uh, a policy. There's no laws that Alejandro Mayorkas is is crafting or passing through. He is in charge of the department. Um, he's the underling to the president. He serves at the behest of the president of the United States. So for me, it's it's interesting that House Republicans would would get to me. In my mind, you give him the out. You give the president the out. You 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 make Alejandro Mayorkas the fall guy. He's your target. 
and the president's able to 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 sidestep the that particular criticism at the moment. I don't think it's going to impact him overall. I mean, I think this this still is going to be his responsibility. But I think to some to some extent uh it's it's it would be pretty important uh for I mean <laughs> certainly for the American public to realize that that there is an issue here. And yes, Congress does need to act. There's no doubt that the immigration system does need to overhaul. That's not a question. But what is a question is when the president says, well, Congress needs to act. Well, you had Congress. You didn't act. You have you have on that particular issue. You you being the president didn't do enough bipartisanship work, bipartisan work to get immigration passed. That is a reflection of you as a leader, as the president. But you, you can't cherry pick what you want to take on and what you don't. Alejandro Mayorkas says it's not the administration's fault. It's not their fault. They shoulder no blame. No blame. But we, we know that that isn't true. Matt's in Auburn Hills. What's up, Matt? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, two things real quick. I have actually watched many of the hearings of Mayorkas, mm-hmm. he, is, he is the king of obfuscation. Sure. There's no doubt about it. And I encourage you to maybe check that out. So is he culpable? Yeah. And you're correct, though. He does answer to Biden. And the the Biden or the, the border, you know how late these people that have claimed uh, asylum when their court dates are? They're saying all the way to 2032. Yeah. So these people are going to be in country for eight years before they even get to their trial. Correct. Which in a lot of cases, they don't okay, even qualify so that's for just, asylum. That's, that's just flat out wrong. Yep. Asylum. If you want to seek asylum, come through the regular border entry and do it the right way. Anybody else? See ya. The second thing I want to say is, or ask you, you mentioned uh, the papers that to, uh, open up uh, classified documentation on a threat. What's the threat? We don't know yet. Okay, so why bother even saying that? I mean, I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying, why? We're, we're, what's the intrigue here? If we don't even know what the threat is, again, um, we have enough to be concerned about sure. on so many issues yeah. without giving us a false piece of information that just is nothing but an open door to explain. The speculation yeah. is like listening to a press conference at the White House. Yeah. Absolutely. 90 minutes of nothing. Yeah. Matt, I appreciate the call. I'm up against it, unfortunately. Um, I got an interesting story coming up for you next because um, there is, I mean, look, hackers are relentless. There's no doubt about it. But now nation state hackers are using AI chatbots in order to, to, infiltrate the government, infiltrate businesses, and it's becoming a huge problem. We'll talk about that next on JR Afternoon. According to a new report, research done by Microsoft and OpenAI, hackers are using AI chatbots to write phishing emails and and studying potential targets. And and those attacks are are happening much more frequently, which means they can target more Victims, and they can target victims of every level, whether it's governments or private citizens. 
And most of the time, these hackers are connected to the Chinese, they're connected to the North Koreans, they're connected to the Russians, they're connected to the Iranians. And it is certainly a, a global issue on a massive, massive scale. And certainly as we get closer and closer to the presidential election, it becomes, uh, I think, even more pressing and, and a much bigger issue. Uh, the CEO and co-founder of Sensai, Rick Snyder, joins us on this. Sir, it's good to have you back. It's great to be back with you. Uh, th- this is a massive problem. How are, are these nefarious actors and, and their ability to use AI chatbots, how does that change the game of, of cyber attacks? It does, Chris. It makes it much easier for the bad guys. Um, if you think about it, think about just two, three years ago when you would get uh, the phishing email. Again, pH phishing, those nasty ones that sound too good to be true. In many cases, they would have broken English. They would have misspellings. You know, it wouldn't make sense to you. And you could spot it immediately. Uh, and that's because many of these bad guys are in nations where English is not their first language. Uh, and so it was easy to spot. Now what they can do with AI and these chatbots is they can go and say, hey, write this for me. And it can come out and sound wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it's scary. It makes it much more difficult to spot it based on the language itself. So there are other things people should be looking for uh, in these emails to spot uh, bad actors. Uh, an example for you is you should go hover over the email address it says it came from. So, you know, if I got an email from you, it'd say your name, Chris. But if I went and hovered over it, it would show me the real address that it came from. And in many cases, that will allow you to spot to say that's not a legitimate email address, uh, the source. So that's one of the best things you should do on any kind of email that you have any question about. Well, and I think that that's that's great advice on on a smaller level, right? On a on a personal level, when you're looking to to make sure that all of your information is protected, whether it's bank information, personal information, whatever it is. But at the same time, these attacks have become so sophisticated; they are infiltrating military systems. Um, one of the 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 examples in an Axios piece I re- I recently saw was that. Russian military bad actors that were using AI chatbots for 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 different types of fishing expeditions, they were they were basically tapping into satellite and radar technologies as it relates to the military operations in Ukraine. So these are these are uh, sophisticated systems that are, is using technology available to everyone that is causing issues on a grand scale. Yeah, there's different levels to this. There is one level that typically are the the criminal types that are just trying to get money or take advantage of you that are the ones sending it to us as individuals. And then there are nation state and terrorist organizations that are doing the more, they're actually much more sophisticated quite often, as you said, they're getting into very sophisticated systems and they're using AI as a means to gain access. Uh, Fortunately, they they don't come after most people. They Mm -hmm. may come after high profile people, but our systems, our infrastructure in this country, we need to do more at all levels to uh, put in better protections. One of the things that is taking place, though, is the good guys are now using AI. So it's it's like an arms race. Uh, the bad guys use AI. The good guys are starting to use AI. We're using we're starting to develop some tools using AI at Sensei uh, to help do better matching to tell people they need to do updates and such. Mm. And is 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 that kind of uh... Tick for tack is that kind is, is that uh, a, the 
the does that give companies does that give uh, 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 you know normal people the opportunity to protect themselves against these types of attacks? It helps. Um, the analogy I give people, Chris, about cybersecurity for most people in most organizations, because we specialize in small and medium-sized organizations, the people that the organizations that need help the most, is I tell people, uh, cybersecurity is like diabetes. It's a chronic condition with no cure. Mm. Um, and if you think about it, though, a diabetic, if they do insulin, diet, and exercise, you can live a good life. You can live a normal life. If you ignore it and don't do those things, you're, you're on borrowed time. You're in trouble. Same thing with cybersecurity. If you do good cybersecurity hygiene practices, uh, mainly people-oriented stuff, but some technology things, you can live a good life. Uh, it doesn't mean you're safe, but you're much safer, and you can sleep better at night. So I encourage people to be more proactive. Don't be reactive to this. Don't wait. You're a sitting duck otherwise. How do you think this type of technology is going to play a role over the next year? Um, in a presidential election cycle? What, what, what type of kind of mayhem could this cause? Yeah, well, a lot of it is, and you've already heard about it, because you stay up on this stuff. I know you. You're good at watching this stuff, is uh, deep fakes and things like that, where yeah. it's not real people. Uh, and this is getting very sophisticated. So one of the ways people used to, I'll give you an illustration of how sophisticated this can get, and it's not happening widespread, but it is a new risk is people that did wire transfers. Uh, if you transferred money, a lot of times the bank or someone would say, we have to call you on the phone to verify that it's you and this is what you really want to do. Uh, now they've found that basically the bad guys are occasionally hacking phones, taking voice samples, and then imitating your voice mm. uh, to respond to the wire transfer approval. Uh, and the, 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 there is one way to defend against it, and that's if you start asking it questions. So, for example, if I was they're asking to confirm something, I would say back to them, it's like, okay, well, tell me, wasn't it exciting about the Lions, you know, in the playoff game? And it would confuse the AI, and you'd know something wasn't right. So you got to throw the unexpected sometimes, and even those kind of calls now to be really, really safe. Well, and there's a whole host of other issues, whether it's spyware. I mean, different types of surveillance. Um, it, it continues to be a huge issue. Um, and, and you're right. I, I try to stay up on this stuff because, look, when, when the, the reality is it's, this is becoming much more sophisticated. It's becoming, in my mind, more sophisticated by dumbing it down, by using the type of systems like ChatGPT, like OpenAI to, to, to make things more uh, buttoned up and understandable for people. And, and those questions... Uh, the question marks that they always, you know, defaulted to, you know, the broken English or the poor punctuation or the, you know, the, the wacky uh, email address, um, those those are much more difficult to spot. And if it's more difficult for people to carry out their normal day to day, right, by getting an email, it, it to me, it's going to be much big, a, a much bigger headache when when different types of AI platforms, whether it's deep fakes uh, or, or a whole host of others, become so adept that people aren't going to be able to notice the difference. That's, that's the, the real worry for me. Yeah. So the first thing I would always tell people, if someone asks you, if you're asked for personally identifiable information yeah, or if it's too good to be true. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It, it is too it, good to be true. No doubt about it. Well, so, it, it it's, it's a huge... It is an issue. Uh, we're watching it. Obviously, you are too. Rick Snyder, great to talk with you as always. Thanks for the time. We'll talk again soon. 
Great to be with you. Take care. Yep, you do the same. Rick Snyder, the CEO and founder of Sensai. Uh, in the meantime, breaking news, shots fired. People hit, I believe, according to these breaking news reports, out of Kansas City along the Chiefs parade route. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get you some more information on the other side. Got to take a break. Uh, but the breaking news, people shot near the Kansas City Chiefs celebration for the Super Bowl parade. That's more next. All right, we're following breaking news out of Kansas City where shots were fired as the Chiefs were celebrating their Super Bowl win at their parade today. Several people shot. Um, it took place west of Union Station near a parking garage. As fans were leaving, two people have been detained. That's according to Kansas City Police. Um, there were about a million people at that parade. 600 law enforcement were, were expected to be there as well. Um, but but in this particular parking area, parking structure, is is where they were, where police were telling people they need to stay away from. They are are uh, having EMS and first responders attend to people there. So it it sounds like it is um, a, a potentially a, a bad scene um, because they're trying to keep as many people away from there as possible so they can get people in and out uh, first responders uh, as well. Um, but it was a huge parade. I mean, the gathering of people was absolutely huge. Um, and, um, and of course, uh, amongst the, the madness, the mayhem, um, people got uh, separated from their families uh, or friends. And there was a reunification center put up in place so that, that people could uh, go to a centralized location uh, and, and try to link up with, with their family members. Um, but, the governor of, of Missouri was there, uh, Laura Kelly, uh, who was also evacuated uh, from that area as well. Um, so uh, a, a scary scene, certainly, in Kansas City. Uh, multiple shots fired. Two armed people have been detained. That's according to Kansas City police. We'll keep you up to date as more information becomes available. Uh, in the meantime, obviously, down here, uh, we have a, a, a lack of snow. It's been... Certainly light on that front uh, most of, of the winter season. But up north, thankfully, uh, the technology allows them to make a lot of snow, which is good for skiers, certainly up uh, in the treetops area. Barry Owens is the general manager of treetops, and he joins us. Uh, thank God for those snow machines, hey, Barry? Absolutely. It's uh, <clears throat> Of all the things I've done in my career, I can say the thing that I've been involved in is the and the coolest is making snow. How many people can say that? No, not many. Not many. No. And I, 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 uh, I, I teased this earlier. I just felt like, um, you know, for, for guys, we are not always the most um, prepared, tend, tend to be, uh, we pro- procrastinate a little bit. So if, you, if there was an opportunity where maybe you didn't get the misses, uh, a, uh, a Valentine's Day gift, maybe you just book a little uh, getaway to treetops. Absolutely. You can, uh, you know, you can uh, hop on there. We got, uh, we got a handful of rooms left for this weekend um, that we can get people in and, uh, and maybe you want to get a treetops gift and, but you can't make it up this weekend. You know, there's always the gift card because that fits anybody. It fits everybody. Um, yes. It fits everybody. <laughs> so yeah, no, we're, uh, Chris, we're really excited uh, here for the coming weekend. There's going to be a, 
a bunch of people up here skiing all of the ski areas we've been talking amongst ourselves and of getting the word out about just how much snow we have on the hill and how good the conditions are it's uh i know we're at uh 98 of our skiable terrain is open wow. um and um and i know a lot of our uh a lot of our friendly uh competitors are in that same boat so mm-hmm. we're all trying as i mentioned spread the word but um and we're anticipating here in gaylord to get another three to six inches of fresh snow tomorrow okay. to uh to make it all look uh look real good and, and uh get some stuff uh, fresh snow on the hill that we can groom and uh, get ready for everybody this weekend. Well, thankfully you make the snow, but once you get that fresh coating, I mean, it makes a world of difference up there. It sure does. I mean, it just, it puts everybody in the spirit and, um, you know, there's, you know, you go up North and you kind of expect to, uh, to see it, you know, see some snow coming down and um, at our main lodge uh, building where we have the outdoor pool that you can actually get in the pool inside and then swim to the outside. I, you know, one of the highlights, especially of a lot of the kids that come up is being able to be out in that heated pool when it's snowing outside people, you know, they make some memories there when they have that chance. No doubt about it. Um, so what has the season been like for you? Um, and thankfully, I mean, we still got a lot of time left here for, for people to, to come cut it up, but um, it's been a pretty good season. I understand. Yeah, it has. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's had its ups and downs. Um, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're enthusiastic, enthusiastic for what remains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and once again, it, it really is, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, you know, we have people can go to our website and look at the weather icon right at the top. And then you can look at our webcams and you can see how much snow we've got. And we've been, we've been making snow for almost 48 hours. We've had cold temps. So mm-hmm. not only is there fresh snow coming, but, um, you know, we've made a bunch of fresh snow also. So, um, and, you know, we got skiing, we got snowboarding, um, we got our extreme tubing. We got, um, this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, there'll be opera ski at the, uh, on the halfway cafe deck with entertainment and a big bonfire outside. Um, all kinds of different things going on. So um, the uh, sleigh rides are still going. They might have wheels on them, but we still call them sleigh rides. Cool. But a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it, it, it's one of the things that I love most about treetops is the variety. Like you have something for everybody. And I, I think that's important when you're dealing with families, when you're dealing with people that have different um, d- different uh, 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 interests. And, and you cover them all. Uh, really nicely and uh, you got some some openings this weekend certainly down the road uh, as well and um, I encourage people to to get online make a reservation if you forgot to the to order some flowers today you make it up by getting a spot up at treetops Barry great stuff appreciate you as always we'll talk again soon hey thanks for the time Chris yeah. have a great day yeah you do the same that's Barry Owens the GM up at treetops great spot uh, all right, uh, get you cupped, uh, update on a couple of other things. Following the breaking news out of Kansas City, multiple people shot in uh, a shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs uh, Super Bowl parade. And police say that they have two armed suspects in custody. Um, you know, judging by the, the the live stream that I'm watching, it, it seems relatively calm. Um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of hustle and bustle right now. Um, it, it, it almost seems like, um, they, they, they have two people in custody and, and 
um, and they're going to go from from there. But it doesn't seem like there's a a, a mad dash to 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 uh, look for for more suspects. Um, but uh, they are tending to injured uh, people at that scene in Kansas City at the parade route. Um, so we'll we'll keep you updated there. Uh, in the meantime, uh, some folks hanging on the line want to get to your calls. Kristen in Roseville. Before we go to break, hello, Kristen. Hi there. Um, my heart goes out to the people in Kansas City, yeah. and the AI people need to just not click on links. But the main reason I called was that Mayorkas said that he was following the president's agenda, mm-hmm. and that's not his job. He is supposed to be following the rule of law and the Constitution, period. That's it. Unless you want to ask me a question, I'm going to hang up. All right, Kristen, I, I appreciate you holding on. I, I mean, I, I think that that's true, of course. The, the president, you know, needs to set that example. And I think uh, as it pertains to the border, the, they, they haven't. I don't, I don't know how else to put that. I mean, I, I think they've done a, a poor job on the border. I think they've done a poor job taking, taking that responsibility on. I think they've done a poor job of owning it. And as a result, uh, it has gotten worse and worse and worse over the last few years. Uh, Kristen, appreciate the call. Got to take a break. More coming up next on JR Afternoon. Turn off the parking lot. All right. Let's give away some tickets. Caller number 9-800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Win a pair of tickets to see Santana and these guys, the Counting Crows in concert June 25th at the Pine Knob Music Theater. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Official rules at WJR.com. Tickets are on sale starting at 10 a.m. this Friday, February 16th at Ticketmaster.com. It's going to be a good show. Uh, talk is, is speaking about something good. Picture pitchers and catchers are back at it in Lakeland. Unbelievable. I, you know, Steve Courtney joins us. Um, I feel like I was so tied up. I think we were all tied up with the Lions this season that th- this yeah. thing really snuck up on us. Yeah, it kind of uh, crept up, didn't it? Um, and we get ourselves a little repass from uh, what has been a crazy winter. Really not all that bad weather-wise, but nonetheless, it's February. And nothing like pitchers and catchers, Chris, reporting to Lakeland to warm the old soul. This conversation brought to you by the hardworking men and women at Bill Brown Ford. A tough night for the winged wheelers last night. Not going to lie to you, only a matter of time before they're stacking W's once again. <clears throat> My good friend Matt Garko and his team are stacking wins each and every day. Drive with the champions at Bill Brown Ford. Shop their True View inventory at BillBrownFord.com today. Yeah, pitchers and catchers report today. The full squad will report on Monday, and this 2024 season will be underway. <clears throat> now, uh, Scott Harris, the Grand Imperial Poobah, as well as his general manager, Jeff Greenberg, skipper A.J. Hinch, uh, they've made some additions to the roster. More on that in just a bit. Uh, meanwhile, the general thought, Chris, once again, is that the AL Central is up for grabs. Remember, the Minnesota Twins won it last year with just 87 wins. The Tigers were second. They were going 78 and 84. It's going to be a very different 2024 campaign for Tigers fans and the team alike. No Miguel Cabrera for the first time in a long time. And I think that being said, when you're looking for the straw that stirs the drink offensively, maybe look no further than uh, first baseman Spencer Torkelson. 
Uh, what a campaign he had a year ago, Chris. 31 home runs to go along with 94 RBI. Uh, he hit 233. So hopefully Spencer, and we know he's got the talent to improve on that, that would be something to see, correct? Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, uh, he, Green, I mean, the whole crew. Uh, A.J. Hinge said today, which I thought was interesting, uh, day one of pitchers and catchers, we have a good group. We're going to have a good competitive camp. It's a harder team to make than I've ever had from the pitching standpoint. It starts today. Nobody's going to win or lose a job today, but everything matters. And I think that's the type of culture that needs to be established here and one that A.J. Hinge has been working towards is nothing is given, everything earned, and I think that makes this team dangerous in this division. Yeah, uh, again, uh, a division, the AL Central, that uh, pretty much should be up for grabs. Uh, when you take a look at the alleged starting rotation, uh, you've got Tarek Skubal, uh, the recently added Kenta Maeda, Jack Flaherty, Matt Manning, and I think the X factor is going to be Casey Mize. Uh, obviously, uh, a few years ago, he came in as a much-heralded rookie. Sadly, uh, he has missed the last two years because of Tommy John. It's going to be very interesting to see how he bounces back from that. I'll tell you something else that's going to be interesting. The young fella who is going to have the opportunity to make the big league club, Colt Keith. Um, he's got more tools than most high school janitors. Uh, he's got it all. Uh, he can hit. He's got some speed. He can field. Uh, chances are he will be your second baseman for the old English steers once this thing gets underway. Uh, fingers crossed uh, jointly, my friends, that uh, maybe – Maybe Javi Baez uh, can put a little something-something together this year. Huh? Be a little consistent. Uh, he's signed for a boatload of dough, obviously. Uh, hit two twenty-two last year, just nine home runs to go along with 59 RBI. From time to time, Chris, we saw him flash some amazing leather, and then uh, other times, uh, not so much. Uh, it would be nice to get him going. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I don't, I don't know what to expect. From Javi Baez, I, I'd like to think that that I mean, traditionally he's been a pretty streaky player. Like, you know, I would expect maybe some sort of turnaround. But for guys, some of these guys, it's just really difficult to get out of that funk. And and I I hope that's not the case. They owe him a lot of money. He's here, but I just boy, it just feels like it's it. This is a pretty important year for him. It's a pretty important year for him going forward. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, just going around the uh, the old diamond here, uh, the thought is that Matt Veerling uh, will be the everyday third baseman. Uh, saw some good things from him last year, uh, hitting two sixty one uh, to go along with 10 home runs, 44 RBI. Uh, and recently uh, added Mark Canna, uh, acquired him in a trade with the Brewers. He split last season with the Mets and Brewers. Five home runs, 33 RBI in his stint with the Brewers, hitting 287. Right now he's uh, scheduled to be the left fielder. Uh, some important dates, as I mentioned. The full Tiger squad due to report to Lakeland on Monday, the first spring training game against who else? The New York Stankies. That'll be Saturday, February 24th in Lakeland. Opening day uh, is going to be uh, March 28th. I don't know what Major League Baseball's thinking, Chris. Uh, you're going to start off with three against the White Sox in Chicago in late March. Good luck with that. And then from there, they'll go to the uh, to the Big Apple for three against the New York Metropolitans. And then the home opener is slated for Friday, April 5th, against the uh, Homeless A's. Well, uh, Jason Benetti uh, in the booth this year. 
uh, for the Tigers, which is awesome. Yes. He is the man. I mean, the, the Tigers fans are going to absolutely love Jason Benetti. Also uh, new to the booth, Carlos Pena, who I understand you guys are talking to coming up. Yeah, we're going to have a uh, chat with the latest addition to the Tigers broadcast booth on Bally. Uh, Carlos Pena, Tiger fans will remember him. Mm-hmm. I think all in all, Carlos made his way around the bigs, playing for eight different major league clubs. Was but, it uh, eight? He, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's going to have some uh, tremendous insight. And let's not forget uh, our former WJR colleague, my good friend Dan Dickerson, a.k.a. Oh, Double D. He's the best. Um, they are celebrating Dan. And I don't think you've really made it in life until you get a bobblehead and the Tigers are going to honor uh, Dan, 25 years with his own bobblehead that actually talks. I was going to say that that has some of his best calls. That is making it. You're right, Stephen. All right, we got to go. We'll talk to you tomorrow, my friend. Thank you. All right, look forward to it, Chris. All right, that's Steve Courtney. I'm looking forward to this conversation with Carlos Pena because he and I think Jason Benet, you're going to have a, uh, it's going to be a, a great crew. And Craig Monroe in the mix too, right? Yeah, Craig Monroe in the Correct. mix. Yep. All right, good. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, We'll keep you updated on these stories breaking today, both in Washington, D.C., in Kansas City, as we uh, make way for Mitch Album and the crew. Have yourself a wonderful Wednesday. We'll catch you back here tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a good one.